Welcome back to Relish the Journey. It is me, Miles Biggs, coming at you once again, bringing another of my most popular podcast episodes and also one of my personal favorites. We've got Ryan Humphreys for you here, and I think people identify with Ryan because he's just a likable guy. You listen to his story, you can just tell he's the kind of guy you could sit and hang out with, have an adult beverage with, just shoot the old shh with, censor myself there, you know, he's a good guy. Crazy stories from him. It's really interesting when he gets into his military service, the guy was in the Navy, but then never actually served on a boat, which is so rare. He's got an interesting story there. And I love that his business is all about the physical body. Not all about it, but his company helps train people for, you know, outdoor adventures. He's got a gym in many ways, but also something more than a gym in many ways. And he gets into that too. So very diverse episode here. It's no wonder you guys rewarded him with plenty of downloads. So let's hear from Ryan and then I'll, I'll get back with you after this conversation. All right, Mr. Ryan Humphreys, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So to start, I'll let you start. The the almost like the completest open-endedest question ever. None of those words made sense on my end. The most open-ended question, right, is for people that don't know you, tell us who you are and what you do. Dust off that elevator right. pitch. Elevator pitch for me. For you. Um, for me and my life, right on. So I am Ryan Humphreys. I am 38-year-old male living in Denver, Colorado, and I co-own and operate an Academy for Adventure. An Academy which, uh, for Adventure. That sounds like the coolest school that you could ever go to. <laughs> right? That was, uh, that was kind of the idea. Kind of the idea. Yeah. So, uh, well, at least to make it sound as cool as possible so people would be like, hey, what's that? I want to know more about that. Right. And um, so the name of your Academy for Adventure is? Is Existence Athletics. And Existence is spelled with an A, so it's the word Existence right? But it stands for an active existence. Um, We went through a ton of different names trying to figure out, you know, what we were going to call this thing. And my business partner actually had something he was working on a long time ago called the Access Project. And the Access Project was like uh, living a life of active existence. And it was almost like a club um, to where, you know, if if you were into doing cool shit, then like you could, you could join the club. Also, um, is swearing okay? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You can swear. Okay. okay. <laughs> I just realized. Like, uh, I, I was in the Navy, um, which is not, I wouldn't say it's a huge part of uh, who I am. It's not, that doesn't necessarily define me, but it did define some of my language for a very long time. <laughs> and so the, the, old, the old phrase of uh, cussing like a sailor does kind of hold true. I've, I've gotten much better since I got out of the Navy 15 years ago. But um, <laughs> I still I still drop an F bomb or two. Sure. Well, feel free to cuss like a sailor as much as you want. All right. All right. But so that's interesting to touch on. So the Navy, that's cool. Did you did you enlist right out of high school? Were you an officer? How'd you end up in the military? Um, that is now that that's a that's a journey. Uh, so 
Uh, I, I can give you a little bit of background. So as, as a guy who, you know, currently is, you know, running a business out in Denver, Colorado, based around health, you know, fitness performance and living a life of adventure, that's not exactly who I was in high school. Um, matter of fact, when I got to my, when I got to my high school reunion, I sat down with this, uh, group of, group of ladies and one of them looks at me and goes, Ryan Humphreys, I got arrested with you. <laughs> I said, yes, you did. That's awesome. <laughs> and I still feel responsible about that, <laughs> responsible for that. Um, so high school was, um, you know, like for me, it was very similar to the movie days to confused. Um, but based in the nineties, less, uh, not not quite in the 70s, 60s, 70s. So I graduated high school in 1999 and didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, I had I had no clue, actually. So graduated high school in 1999, started college that fall, and in no way, shape, or form was I ready for college. I know some people, you know, jump right in right after high school and, uh, you know, they knock it out. So at, at 18, I jumped in, had my first semester, I was put on academic probation, and I was just kind of dicking around. And, you know, the school said, okay, you're on, you're on probation. You need to get uh, 2.0 in order, to, in order to, you know, make sure you're in good standing. And I said, okay. So second semester I came back, I did not make a 2.0, and they put me on academic suspension. And it's, uh, it sounds kind of crazy now um, to think, like, I mean – I wish I could have just kind of shaken that kid a little bit. <laughs> sure, I bet, yeah, but but it is what it is. Uh, I don't really wish anything was was different. It's all experience, right? It's all a, it's all just a journey. Absolutely. Uh, so I I'm, I'm on academic suspension now. Um, I'm working at a gas station. I'm working at Outback Steakhouse, and I'm really trying to figure out okay, what the hell, what the hell am I doing? And uh, I started talking to this Navy recruiter, and the Navy recruiter started asking me questions um about you know he, he actually he actually had me kind of do a visualization exercise which um i've been doing a lot more of in the last in the last year funny enough so this guy asked me what my christmas would look like four years from now hmm. and this is in this is in the year 2000 now and he's like so what is what's christmas look like for you in 2004 and uh the picture i painted was less than exceptional <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even really see that far. You know, it was like, uh, kind of doing the same thing, I guess, sort of maybe back at school, hopefully doing better. And, uh, he's like, okay, yeah, let me, let me paint you a different picture. He's like, what if you had an opportunity over the next four years to travel the world, um, have somebody else pay for your college. So you're not just wasting your money. Um, you know, meet some amazing people, yada, 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 come home, gifts for your whole family maybe you have a new car yada yada and, and you're going back to school and you know you've got education already under your belt you may even have a degree already and that was a hell of a lot better of a picture than i had painted for myself and i could see it i could actually like see that visualize it so clearly uh, i ended up leaving on i signed up for the navy on a thursday and left on a sunday oh wow yeah that's so quick. shortly after, shortly after he painted that picture, I was like, "All right, I'm out." So when you leave uh, on a Sunday, where do you go? So I go to St. Louis um, for the MEPS Military Entry Placement Program. I don't know. I'm not sure what it's called, but it's the uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but 
one of the entry points. Um, so I go to Navy boot camp in August. So August of 2000, I ship off to Navy boot camp in Great Lakes. Um, end up going to school down in Pensacola, Florida for aviation electronics. And I learned how to fix navigation and communication equipment on, uh, on aircraft. And then I followed an aircraft squadron around for the next four years, lived all over the place. And I came back to Missouri and I ended up having to take all my old classes over, which was a good thing. Um, but I came back funny enough, ended up making the Dean's list every semester coming back. And it was just, you know, I could see these other kids in class that were kind of me four years ago. And, uh, although I didn't want them to fail, not at all, I could just see like, okay, yeah, I was that guy. I was that guy. Right. It's amazing how four years back then probably seemed like an eternity, but it's such a yeah. small blip when you look back. It's amazing. Yeah, but when I was, so much can happen in four short years. Yeah, man. When I was, yeah, when I was 19, I joined when I was 19. And when they told me I was going to be 23 when I got out, you know, I was like, oh, shit, that's going to be so old, you know, <laughs> 20, 23 years old. I don't know if, I don't know if I, do you have like a two year program or something? <laughs> that's funny. And uh, they said, nope, four years. So when you say you lived all over the place, what are some of the coolest places that you lived? Um, so the coolest place I got to um, I got to be stationed in was a place called Diego Garcia. And Diego Garcia is a little tiny island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, like seven degrees south of the equator. Um, it's a tiny island that used to be a coconut plantation. Huh. Um it's owned by the British. It's uh, most most maps don't even have it. Somewhere around that area, it'll say British Indian Ocean Territory, and then the nearest like larger islands are the Chagos Archipelago. That's really cool. So, are you actually yeah. on the island then, or are you guys still on the some sort of aircraft carrier? If you're following the aircraft squadron around. So fu- funny enough, uh, my my Navy experience this, this this may this this podcast may either get me hated by. <laughs> by anybody else that was in the military. My military experience was very atypical, very, very atypical. So I joined the Navy. I was never on a ship. Oh, wow. That's so, very interesting. Yeah. So that that in and of itself kind of ostracized me from the majority of people in the Navy. So you talk to people in the Navy and they're like, ah, what, uh, what ship were you on? It's like, well, I was actually attached to uh, uh, you know, a VP squadron. So uh, was the, the, uh, the VP-46 is um, was the squadron I was with. And we were attached to a bunch of aircrafts called P3 Orions. And the P3 Orion is large enough and old enough to where it's not really able to go on top of an aircraft carrier. Um, I don't believe everyone is, anyone has ever landed one on an aircraft carrier. So it's, it's just kind of an old piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) still flying around in the sky. Um, so, you know, when I go in, I, I never pictured myself on on a boat, and I, I don't know what you believe about you know visualizations or kind of you know manifesting and uh, all that. And I you know not to not to get too woo woo, but when I when I think back about it, you know, like I I never visualized myself on a ship. I never saw myself on a ship. I never believed that like that. I, I just maybe in the back of my head I was like, hey, if it, if it happens, it happens. Like I'm I'm ready to go wherever. Well. I had an opportunity when I was uh, when I was graduating my school in Pensacola to write down three places that I wanted to go. So they gave us all a dream sheet, 
and the dream sheet was like, well, you're going to go where we want you to go. But like, if you had a, if you had a dream, where would you want to go? And one of my choices on this dream sheet was Whidbey Island, Washington. And, um, it was like Spain, Hawaii, and Washington. And out of a class of like 30, 29 people went to Virginia and I went to Whidbey Island. And the, the only thing that I can think of is that on that dream sheet, in the notes section, I wrote, um, I just got a mountain bike and I really, I would really love to be able to ride my mountain bike somewhere. And Washington is, is known, you know, for its, for its trails. And it may have just, may have just been, you know, luck, but, uh, I'm really glad I wrote that down on that dream sheet because the 29 people that went to Virginia all wound up on a ship. I went to Washington because there was one slot open for this patrol squadron, BP-46. Hmm. Um, so I, I flew out to Washington and realized that they were in they were actually in Japan. So when I got to Washington, they shipped me out to Japan, and I learned how to uh, yeah fix navigation and communication equipment on this uh, on this old ass aircraft. That's awesome. That's yeah. really neat. So how do you end up? from a VP squadron to Denver, Colorado, opening an academy for adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a gap there that led there to a, that. There is a gap. <laughs> so 2000, 2004, I get out of the Navy, um, and I had a good friend that had joined the Army about the same time. He went to, um, he ended up going to med school. He went pre-med and then uh, went to med school. He's a surgeon now, actually out in Washington. Um funny enough. And I started thinking to myself, okay, like, what am I going to, what am I going to do? Initially, I thought I was going to do aviation electronics. I thought I was going to just use that, maybe end up working for Boeing. A lot of the guys I was in with ended up um, going into, you know, further aviation or electronics. Uh, I realized that I hate both planes and electronics. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, It's a good thing to realize though, before you double down on it. Uh, So that's good. Yeah. I mean, they're cool. Like, uh, they're very neat, just not something that I wanted to spend, you know, the rest of my life tinkering with. So, um, I started thinking, you know, actually when I left the Navy, they, they were trying to, they were trying to keep me in and they said, you know, the Navy has just about every, every job you could possibly think of. So if you're thinking about going to college, you know, we can, we can put you through college and we can give you that job in the Navy. So what do you want to do? And I told them, well, I want to be an archeologist. And they said, well, uh, have a nice life. (laughs) Don, did you say um, that on purpose just because you wanted to get out, or did you really think you were going to be an archaeologist? I did think I was going to be an archaeologist. Since I was in, like, second grade, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. So I, I came back, and I did think, and then I was like, well, you know, I, I realized archaeology is not all Indiana Jones, and it, uh, although it's very fascinating, I feel like my love of archaeology is more in the realm of I want to watch the Netflix documentary and uh, read the Discover Magazine article versus actually work in the field sure <laughs> but what i you know I, I did really want to help people in in some way shape or form and so i thought about med school and i was like okay what is what does that look like so i just started taking pre-med classes uh, i went back from you know had to take all the classes that i'd failed in the past and um ended up getting a's in all those classes and then when i came back uh, you know with, i was doing biomedical science so biomedical science was pretty much chemistry, biology, um, statistics, things like that. So I go through, I I take all my, you know, anatomy, physiology, 
chemistry courses and I get to organic chemistry and organic chemistry is kind of like the weeder class. That's the one where they figure out who's really serious or not. And at that point I was really starting to question whether or not I wanted to spend like another eight years in school. And, uh, you know, I went down to my advisor and I was like, you know, I, what else is there? (laughs) What, what else we have? And they had just opened up this program called health management and exercise science. And a lot of people were using health management to jump off into like physical therapy, occupational therapy. And that appealed to me one, because I think there might've been a little bit of the idea that like, Hey, I'm 23, you know, 24. I, uh, by this time I'm like 24, 25. Cause I'm, you know, two, like two years in and I'm in class with a bunch of kids that are 18. And so I, you know, I've, I've already been four years in the Navy and I'm not necessarily wanting to spend, you know, a ton of time in school, but I want to do something worthwhile. I want to make sure it's legit. And, uh, so I start thinking, okay, physical therapy, still helping people. And at the time you didn't have to have a, a doctor of physical therapy, which you do now. And so I start going kind of that route with the exercise science. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I'll do exercise science first and then maybe I'll move to Denver. Um, or move somewhere. I'll move to Washington State. I'll move to I'll, I'll move out of Missouri. Uh, Missouri had the best in-state tuition ever, so had to stay there for a little while. <laughs> um, so I I graduate with a degree degree in exercise science and health management. Um, part of that degree was that I had to I had to do some sort of internship, and everybody in my class was doing an internship at a gym. And I was like, I don't want to work in a gym, man. I just kind of like everybody was like some more trainers. And I'm like, I didn't go to school for four years just to work in a dirty, dirty old gym. Strange turn of events. <laughs> yeah, it uh, sounds like it. <laughs> except it's not a dirty gym. I was going to say, yours is sparkling clean. <laughs> Ours is a sparkling gym. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Um, so I come out to Colorado and I work for the American Lung Association. And the Lung Association, I'm doing special event coordination. So kind of the complete opposite. I wanted to see how like a large health nonprofit organization worked um, like on a national level. And they did a bunch of what I call like adventure themed awareness. So adventure themed awareness um, is what I call like when you when you go do something really cool and then you raise a bunch of money for something. So for uh, one of the things that I saw the Lung Association did was they hold this 5k race out at red rocks and uh, there's live fans along the course. Um, super cool. And they finish up the amphitheater stairs and they raise a ton of money for kids with asthma and people with COPD and lung cancer and, and all this kind of stuff. And they have several events like that, you know, throughout the year. And so that, that was a little bit near and dear to me. I, I had asthma as a kid growing up. And um, so I was like, yeah, this sounds, this sounds really cool. So I got into that. The Lung Association is pretty much, you know, fully funded to nonprofit. And uh, this was 2009 when I moved out to Colorado. And that year, they were supposed to have, uh, from the stories I heard, they were supposed to have a ton of donations. And the people that usually were donors, you know, this is like right after 2008 market crash. And they pretty much had to shut everything down because they lost uh, a ton of donations. So their staff of 20 went down to like 10. Wow. So I didn't want to leave. Um, I, I, I wanted to stay in Colorado. So like I, I grew up 
you know, even though like I had asthma, I was also, I was in Boy Scouts for a long time. And, um, so I loved, you know, going out in Missouri and, you know, camping and hiking. I mean, I've spent a decent amount of days outside, you know, camping, hiking, horseback riding, floating, all that kind of stuff that you do in scouts. And so Colorado in my mind was just like that, you know, on steroids. So every sort of outdoor adventure that you wanted to do. So that's what kind of drew me out to Colorado. So I put in applications everywhere. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I didn't want to leave Colorado. And, um, 24 hour fitness calls me back and I'm like, Oh, great. A gym. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) Dirty old gym. Um, dirty old gym. And I, you know, I go in, I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this until I find something better. I was applying for everything from like medical sales representatives to looking at schools out here for physical therapy. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll I'll go be a personal, I'll go get, be a personal trainer, whatever that is. Um, so I started personal training in 2009. They hired me on, um, because of my degree. And then they were like, okay, we'll hire you on because of your degree. But in a couple months, you need to get a nationally recognized certification. So I do all that. Uh, I really start nerding out on uh, certifications. I had some amazing mentors at 24 Hour Fitness, like some of the best people um, that I've ever met in my entire life. And so they kind of take me under their wing, and I just decide to go ball to the wall in this in this personal training gig, um, all in. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going I'm going all in. I had some amazing amazing clients um, that are still not just members at existence, but I consider them some of my closest friends. And that was, that was 10 years ago. So from, from that 24 hour fitness, four years, I did four years of 24 hour fitness, um, learned everything I could. And then from there, I kind of transitioned. I started teaching at the national personal training Institute out in Lakewood. And so I've, I've, I've always loved, um, I had some amazing teachers, amazing professors, you know, in college. And, uh, that was something that I always thought, Hey, maybe that's in the background. Maybe, um, maybe I'll teach someday. So I had an opportunity to teach the personal training Institute and I kind of used that as a jump off. So while I was working at the personal training Institute, I also was doing, you know, more certifications and I happened to go to one certification specifically where I met my current business partner. And, uh, that's where we kind of, we kind of joked around, about how most fitness systems, you know, they're, they have their own system and they think they're hot shit and they don't want to listen to anybody else. You know, if, if, if you're not into parkour, um, then you don't matter. If you're not into CrossFit, it doesn't matter. If you're not into bodybuilding, you know, all, all these different, you know, fitness systems out there are very much isolated on little islands and, we kind of had the same idea of like, no man, like all of this shit works, you know, nothing works forever. There's always room to improve it. But what if, what if we could take a little bit from every fitness system and then combine that to train for outdoor adventure? And so he was a, he was a boy scout as well. Uh, we were both Eagle scouts actually. And, um, me too. So he was, yeah. 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 And I had asthma, I had asthma as a kid too. So I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I knew I liked you miles. (laughs) Yeah, but continue. That's cool. We need to uh, we need to interview you. That's what we need to do. Oh yeah, we'll see. We'll get through you first. <laughs> um, yeah, like so he was he was Air Force, I was Navy. 
you know, background in scouting. Um, and so we just, we have a ton of stuff in common. We're like, okay, let's go have a beer. And, uh, we go meet for a beer and we continue talking about this. And we're like, man, I think we're kind of talking about the same thing. Um, and so he had been working on, he'd been, he was a little bit further along than I was. I was just kind of visualizing a lot of stuff of like, okay, what does this look like if I was going to go off on my own? Um, which I wanted to do from 24 hour fitness management, corporate management was not really something I wanted to, uh, throw my hat into. I'm not a huge rule follower. I know strange for four years in the Navy, but, uh, I like to do my own thing. So I pretty much a year later after that first beer, we continued to meet for coffee and many beverages. And, um, we ended up opening the doors of existence in, uh, 2013. That's exciting. So it's, yeah, six years, right? I just have to do some really slow mental math yeah. there. So we just hit our six-year anniversary last week. So what is what does it look like six years down the road compared to what it looked like when the doors opened in 2013? Yeah, well, we had <laughs> we had we had five members in in 2013. There was concrete. There were concrete floors. There was real dirty carpet um, as you walked in. We had a couple sets of gymnastics rings, a couple boxes, some barbells, some rubber mats on the floor, big-ass warehouse. And over the years, we've continued to just make improvements. We put AstroTurf down, took it off. We completely matted out the entire floor. We took out the drop ceiling in our front office area, much to the chagrin of uh, our landlord. Another story. But uh, it looks way better. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we popped the top. Um, over the years, we've had uh, we had one of the rooms. We had a massage therapist um, that worked for us as, as well. She was actually in the same seminar where I met my business partner. She became a coach later. Now she's a physical therapy assistant and uh, and, a, and a member, which is pretty awesome. But this is this is all kind of you know I I have a kind of a collage I've been working on from existence 2013 to 2016. Um, increased in in membership. We've got about 75 members right now. Um, the goal is 150, so to about to double that. Um, we've had kind of a slow, steady growth. We've ended up partnering with some really cool, really cool organizations. Um, partnered up with a group called Always Choose Adventures, which is kind of an out outdoor adventure group uh, based in Colorado, but they actually have chapters in every state. Uh, so we've partnered up with them. My business partner's on the board uh, with those guys. We partnered up with climbing companies, and so we've got climbing companies that when we take uh, when we take a big trip to Moab or um, Colorado Springs or something like that, Front Range Climbing is kind of our they're our go to guys, and so they're the ones that actually supply the guides and all the gear and equipment and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, kind of answered all my questions there, but in general, if you're really a gym focused on training people for adventures, right? How do you train for an adventure versus just going to the gym and running on the treadmill or lifting weights? Like, what do you do? Like, are there exercises? You've got circuits. You've got, you know, fake rocks you can climb to simulate the real thing. I mean, how does one train for an outdoor adventure indoors? Yeah, that is that is a solid question. When we get when we get off, we have an ebook online um, for free, specifically specifically on this. It's kind of like what. What does that mean? You know, like if I was to say train like a bodybuilder, most people have a pretty good idea. You know, it probably looks like uh, legs one day, 
back and buys on another day, chest and triceps on another day, you know, really kind of isolating body part. Um, if I say that I'm training CrossFit, most people probably have an idea of like, okay, I'm going to time every workout. I'm going to see how fast I can go. Um, I'm going to see if I can beat my time from last time. Um, and every workout's probably going to suck. Uh, when I, when I, if I'm training, you know, kettlebells, I'm, I'm using kettlebells. I mean, there's, there's a ton of different, you know, fitness systems out there. What there doesn't seem to be, or what they, where we realized that there was kind of a gap is the idea of like, okay, what can we learn about all of this stuff? And what we like to call the minimal effective dose to where, you know, I don't want to be completely trashed from a workout to where I can't go on a hike on the weekend, you know? And I know that, you know, when I do go on a hike or I do go on a climb, there are certain muscles that I'm going to need in order to sustain me and make this thing not suck, right? So if I want to get up a 14er, the stronger my core is, the stronger my glutes are, hamstrings, and really some of that mental toughness, the easier that this thing is going to be. So we do a lot of what we call like, uh, you know, injury prevention. And, you know, honestly, the best injury prevention is strength. So we, we have a little bit of what we call like a strength bias. So that means that, you know, we, we focus on a little bit more strength than we do cardio, cardio respiratory, because if you're strong, like nobody ever, nobody ever broke a hip, uh, when they're old because they didn't have good cardio. That's one of my, <laughs> that, you know, of. <laughs> that I know of. Yeah. Unless they were running from something, maybe they were running from a bear and slipped and busted their ass. <laughs> but yeah, I get your um, point. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. so, you know, training for, um, we want to be able to do as many different things. So like we, we were a CrossFit affiliate for the first four years. So we started off with CrossFit and CrossFit was like one of the things that we did, but what we, one of the biggest reasons, you know, we, we dropped the affiliation was we kept getting lumped into the, every other CrossFit gym out there and CrossFit, CrossFit can be amazing. Um, but CrossFit is also, I don't know how familiar you are with, with CrossFit. I just visualize people flipping tires in the parking lot outside. That's what I see of CrossFit. Yeah. Um, so we do have some tires. We do have that. Um, the interesting thing about CrossFit is there are 15,000 CrossFit affiliates out there right now. Wow. So in the last 20 years, you know, it went from like one guy with an idea, pretty good idea, to 15,000 different affiliate gyms. And when that, you know, when that happens, things get, things get watered down. So it's, it's not an actual franchise like, uh, you know, Starbucks, if you go to a Starbucks in New Jersey or a Starbucks in Hong Kong, you, you know, you know, what a grande latte is going to taste like, and you know, it's probably going to have your name on the side of it might be spelled different in a different state, but who knows mostly, you know, you know, you're going to get the same product. So with, with CrossFit being this affiliation, all you, all someone has to do to open up a CrossFit gym is go to a two day seminar, pay a thousand dollars for that seminar and then pay CrossFit.com several thousand dollars a year to be able to use their name. Hmm. Um, and that's it. So you could have right now there with, you know, 15,000 affiliates around the world. There are very, very, very few of those people that are doing the exact same workout. I mean, it'd be hard pressed to find a gym that was doing the exact same workout as another. And so you get a, let's say you get a former Ironman triathlete who gets into CrossFit and loves CrossFit. So he decides to open up a CrossFit gym 
and most of his workouts are based on like the bike, the rower, and running. You know, and then you get another guy or girl, and maybe she was a former like Olympic weightlifter. So her CrossFit style is very much centered on the barbell and so on and so forth. And then you get, you know, some 19 year old kid that's like, I fucking love CrossFit. And uh, he just follows CrossFit.com and does those workouts. So what happens is, you know, you have these affiliates out there that are run by physicians. You have these affiliates that are run by physical therapists. And, you know, their training is, is top notch. And it's cha- literally changing people's lives, transforming people's lives. And then you have gyms out there that are hurting people, just like any gym. It doesn't have to be, you know, a CrossFit gym. It could be bodybuilding or anything like that. The way I usually equate it is like coffee. So let's say, Miles, that like you're, you're up late studying and uh, you're like, man, I'm, I'm really tired. And I'm like, all right, dude, you need to go get some coffee. Let's say you've never heard of coffee before. Coffee is our CrossFit. And uh, so you're like, okay, I'll, uh, I'm going to go get some coffee. Brian said I should go get some coffee. So what I meant was you should go down to the local place that like roast their own beans and get yourself a solid like cup of, cup of freshly ground espresso. Unfortunately, you wind up at 7-Eleven getting some gas station coffee, which is like 24, 24 hours old, and you throw a bunch of weak-ass non-dairy creamer in there. And uh, a bunch of bunch of fake sugar, and you're you're like, okay, I, I okay, and it, and it wakes you up, right? It does kind of what you wanted it to do, but it also leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And then months later, you're tired again. You're you're working late, and you're like, oh, man, somebody says, hey, another friend says, hey, man, you should go, you should go get some coffee. And you're like, no, I've had coffee before, man. I, I know what that stuff's like. And they're like, you, you don't like it? And you're like, and you tell them your story, and they're like, ah, shit, yeah, yeah, man, that's that's not that's not the right kind of coffee, but that's already it's already left a already left a bad taste in your mouth, and that is that's kind of what we've seen in CrossFit because because there's so many affiliates out there, and there's so many people that are kind of watering down this service of what could be amazing. We kept getting lumped in in these in in CrossFit gyms. People go, oh, you're CrossFit, I know what you do, and we have to be like, no, 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 we're different. <laughs> right, but you've already lost them then. So it's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So we we rebranded two years ago, and we were always Existence Athletics, um, the home of Bushcraft CrossFit. That was our CrossFit delineator. Bushcraft Bushcraft is kind of like the art of thriving in your own environment. So you know, over the last six years, we've held seminars on wilderness survival. You know, Survival One Hundred and One, um, how to snowshoe, how to backpack, uh, how to climb your first fourteener, um, how to not die in the woods <laughs> um, should be the first like class that. they have to take right how to not die let's start there right. then how you can go die. into everything that's cool so yeah, so that's that's where we are today awesome well it's super interesting the next time i've been in colorado just a few times for work related things the next time i find myself out there I'm definitely coming your way to check it out yeah um, man love to see you how did you find your way into the mastermind because we didn't really talk about that yet but that's how we came to have yeah. this phone call is the phone calls we have on Mondays as part of the mastermind group. I'm just curious how, you know, you talked about bumping into people, getting the certifications. That's sort of this story that we're living right now as we bumped into each other. It's not a certification yeah. I don't, unless we're going to get a certificate. Maybe we will I'll have to ask Dennis, but, but right. uh, what brought you there? Just curious. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I was nerding out hardcore on all these fitness and nutrition certifications and diving in deep to that. And 
somewhere along the line, I end up getting into some Tony Robbins stuff, you know, like as a trainer, you know, Tony Robbins about the, he's the, the hype man of all hype men. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and so like self-development, self-development was something that I always just kind of poo-pooed and I'd walk by the, the self-development section in Barnes and Noble and was like, Oh, that's, that's the people who, what was me? You know, that, that was like my idea for whatever reason of like self-help. And, uh, I, I, for whatever reason, I didn't look at Tony Robbins as, as self-help, but like whatever this, this, this idea of like bettering yourself and thinking, thinking about taking yourself, you know, outside of yourself, if that makes any sense. And just seeing like what's really possible. So Tony Robbins got, got me into, so reading like, uh, his book, unlimited power, awaken the giant within. And so really started going down that road. And then, uh, his mentor, Jim Rohn, I got some, some of his stuff, the power of ambition, fantastic stuff. And so that kind of started leading me down this, this road of like, self-development, um, self-limiting beliefs, you know, why am I not where I want to be? What's kind of holding me back. And we actually had a couple gym members and we, we talk about this, you know, a lot in, at existence. One of the phrases we use commonly we've been using since the, since the beginning is, uh, not with that attitude. So it's, it's kind of a tongue in cheek joke, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's very serious. So when somebody says, Oh, I can't do that. You know, whether it's like, I can't do a pull up or I can't lose weight, you know, or whatever that is, that's kind of the joke It's like, yeah, not with that attitude. And that's, that's kind of the Henry Ford, you know, like whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Right. And so there is, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of very mental aspects of training. Um, and not just, not just fitness, but you know, when it comes to challenging your challenging yourself on the mountain, you know, uh, we've had a lot of people do things that they never thought they would do myself included, um, going ice climbing, you know, for the first time or, you know, um, whitewater rafting, um, or just, you know, throwing their hat in the towel of whatever adventure comes out there. So anyway, getting into that, that self-development, we had a couple gym members that were very into, uh, the landmark courses. I don't know if you've heard of landmark. No, I haven't. Um, so landmark is kind of a, it's, it's been around since the seventies back in the seventies, it was called EST EST. And it's a full, it's, it's like a, like a hands-on in classroom seminar, not a, not a certification per se, but it's, it's, it's what they call transformative education. Um, so we had a couple of gym members that I really trusted and were up to some, some pretty big stuff. And they were like, Oh, you'd love landmark. And I heard about it. Um, and I was like, Oh yeah. And the, the times just never worked out. They're like, Hey, you know, landmark's doing this thing. You can come on this night. And I'm like, the timing just never worked out. And then I was reading a book, um, the rise of Superman. I don't know if it was the rise of Superman or stealing fire. Both, both of those phenomenal books. Um, I think it was Stealing Fire and Stealing Fire mentioned landmark courses and EST. And I was like, okay, uh, this is interesting. So one of the days just, just happened to work. And so I went to one of these courses and, uh, found out like what this, what this thing was all about. And it was through landmark that I met Dennis who runs the mastermind. So he and I went through, so landmark has like three, it's like a three part series. And so we were in the three part series together. And, uh, we were, we partnered up on a couple things and he said, uh, you know, like, yeah, I think it was the last day and we had to do this big, this big project and he was sharing his project. I was sharing my project and, uh, he was like, dude, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about these projects in the future. And so we just kind of kept in contact 
And then I found out what he did with the mastermind. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. I've been, a, I've been a member of a, a few other masterminds in the past, but I really, I really liked his style. And so that's kind of where I, that, that's how this all came to fruition. That's awesome. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Funny enough, I found Dennis on this like networking app that's sort of like Tinder where you swipe, oh, yeah. you swipe left or right. Uh, if you're interested in like what the other person's like pursuing or you think that you could add value to them or whatever. And I'm, was kind of doing that to find podcast guests yeah, and just happened upon his, it's sort of like how I started this with you. It's like you literally write your elevator pitch. Like, here's what I'm about. Here's what I'm interested in. Here's the kind of people I want to talk to swipe left or right. And then we, yeah. we matched and started talking and then here we are. So it's kind of just goofy, just totally random. I was trying to find people for podcast guests and he was trying to find people for the mastermind and the rest of this history. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. Was, uh, what was what's what's that app? It's called Shaper. It's S H A P R, and yeah, I was just random thing googling like how do you find people for whatever, and this popped up, and I said like, I'll try it. It was kind of yeah. sketchy at first, but <laughs> <laughs> you know you weed through some weird people. But yeah, that's yeah. I think that might be why I'm one of the few East Coast people. Like everyone in our group is West Coast, probably because you've bumped into each other or something in yeah. like Colorado and you know the. Nick is in Washington and that kind of stuff. And so power of the internet, man, power of the internet, power of the internet, right? That and manifesting. That's you really talked cool. about that too. The visualization. I used to be kind of like woo woo about it too. Like, oh, I don't like it's kind of, you said about for self help. And I, I feel like yeah. whenever you sort of put a wall up like that, what I'm finding, it's like, if I look inside myself, I think it's because I was afraid of what I'd find on the other side. If I knock that wall down, you know, like you're like, oh shit, like, do I really yeah. want to get that deep? Like, I don't know what I'm going to find in myself. You know, <laughs> you're kind of nervous, but then once you go for it, I found some cool stuff. And the weirdest things in the past six months have happened just by talking about it, writing it down, setting that intention, meditating on it, putting it out into the world. And then it happens, whether it's, I don't want to be on a ship or, you know, any of those things you've talked about so far, it's, I definitely believe in that. It's, it's interesting. So very, we're similar that way. Yeah, man, that is, you know, I, I, I really believe that we do, you know, kind of create our own lives and it took me a while to kind of get to that. And I remember Tony Robbins talks about it, you know, he's like, you've got to, if, if you believe that you do create your own life, one of the things that ties, you know, many successful people together is that belief that they, they are creating it. And what's cool about that belief is, well, if you do believe that you are creating it, then you know that you can change it. But if you don't think you're in control of your life, well, then you got a real problem, right? Because if you didn't get there, well, how are you going to get out? And I've always kind of liked that, that idea of, um, I think he, he kind of spun it for me just a little bit differently, but I realized, you know, I mean, we're all here, you know, thinking the things we think and doing the things we do based on things that, you know, based on what we've done and what we've wanted. And if you put that intention out hard enough, you know, into the universe and figure out exactly, you know, what it is that you want, I, I really don't think there's there's much stopping, you know, many people if they really want something, you know, from actually going out and achieving it. Right. And that's the key is you have to not just say you want it. You have to really like yeah. in your core want it, not just want the yeah. idea of it or want to be able to say you did it. Like you have to want it. And yeah. There's you a gotta, difference. You gotta want it for sure, because you always meet um, those people. It's like, oh yeah, I want to start a gym, 
And it's like, oh, do you? Okay, talk to me about that. It's like, no, you don't want to start a gym. Like you, you want to just <laughs> say you did. Or I, to me, it's all the time. People say, you know, I've got an idea for a podcast, and they go yeah. through the whole thing. I'm like, that's awesome. Why haven't you done it yet? And then you get the bullshit reasons one through fifty-seven about why they haven't done it, and it comes back to what you just said about, you know, it's always somebody else's fault or some external factor. It's never them taking ownership of they're doing it to themselves and they can change it once they realize they're doing it to themselves. Yes. And that is the, that was, so, you know, I got a lot of this stuff from the the self-development books going through the landmark course that kind of broke down all of my self-limiting beliefs kind of realizing like where I'm, where I'm at the idea of, uh, you know, the stories we tell ourselves based on like the events that actually happen. Uh, I just I just read a study the other day that was, uh, you know, talking about 50% of the things that we remember from the past are wrong. Um, and it's not totally wrong. It's not like, oh, I believe that, you know, back in the day I used to be able to fly. It's not it's not like that. But it's like like the actually of the actual events that happen, we usually don't remember exactly what happens. Like half of the things that we really remember, we remember like bits and pieces of them, but about half of it is 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 wrong. So I. I don't know where I was going with that, but the, the, the idea, just the idea that like we can, we can, most people are living in the past, you know, they're, they're getting up in the morning. They're thinking about things that happened yesterday or thinking about things that they have to do in the future. And so they're not actually living in that present moment, right? There's, they're either doing something specifically because they had an experience in the past that led them to that belief, or, you know, they're thinking about something in the future that hasn't happened yet. So they're either anxious or nervous or maybe excited, you know, about that. And it's those, it's those feelings that kind of dictate, you know, where you are in the present moment. And I I think, you know, the more we learn to actually control those feelings or let, let loose of control and just kind of let things be knowing what we really want, you know, that, uh, one of my favorite quotes, you know, uh, Jim Rohn quote was, uh, affirmation without action is delusion. You know, so you can, you can sit around all day long and, you know, talk about positive affirmations, but until you actually do something, um, like the podcast, right? So like you had an idea and you were like, yes, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to have a successful podcast or, you know, whatever it was, but then you actually went out and got podcast equipment and made a website and, and had one where, you know, like, uh, you know, there's, there are thousands of people around the world right now listening to you, you know, listening to Joe Rogan, listening to Aubrey Marcus and thinking, man, I, I could do that, you know, and then four years from now, they're going to be thinking, yeah, I, I should do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe. And then, uh, you know, the positive affirmations, I'm not saying they, that's not a good thing. I'm, you know, that's absolutely, I, I do a lot of positive affirmations, but I'm also a big fan taking action. Right. And I know you are as well. Like if, if there's something that you can do under two minutes, I think that was your, uh, one of the things you threw out there, like, just do it, make shit happen. Yeah. You know? oh, I love that quote. I haven't really looked too much into Jim Rome, but I'll have to because I wrote that's that good, down. Man. That's good stuff. And that's what, I, um, that's what I like about self-development too, is you think about it. If you're putting down self-development, what you're really saying is that if you go to college, you graduate at 22, and then you're going to live for another, what, 50, 60 years, and you're just done learning at 22? Like, that's it. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like it makes no sense. Like you're just gonna die at your desk, the you know the same person you were at 22. No, like 
you are learning whether you want to or not. Stuff's happening to you. You're collecting those stories that you tell yourself and they can be awesome stories and empowering stories or they can right. be just what was me stories and everybody's fault but your own until you wake up and realize that you can make stuff happen for yourself every single day and you've got to keep growing or you're going backwards and life's you know too short but it's also too long to go backwards and not go forward yeah i think uh i i've, I've been listening to I, I just finished a book by a guy named dr joe dispenza and uh you know he's it's kind of a mixture of like quantum physics and biology fascinating yeah, fascinating stuff. i saw you post on that i flagged um, it in my ascribed account to listen to um, holy shit man get ready for a ride yeah that's what that you one. said so i had <laughs> I had to check it out but for people that don't know what you're saying, say the title again so they can look at look it up. What it's it? called Becoming Supernatural. And, uh, you know, to hear it, I, I told a friend of mine, he's like, ah, oh, that sounds like some new age bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, you know, it, 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 is, it is what it is. It's, it's the story of how common people are doing the uncommon. And, I mean, supernatural is really just like, yeah, it's, oh, like there's a lot of, uh, as David Goggins says, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncommon motherfuckers out there and that's the, those are the people that he likes to talk to the uncommon, <laughs> the uncommon motherfuckers, you know, you know, becoming supernatural is not necessarily like learning to fly, you know, or anything like that, but it's actually, you know, doing like you were doing the uncommon, right? Like do like saying, Hey, I'm, you know, moving on from this job. I'm transitioning. I'm getting and getting into what I want to do. I'm hosting a podcast, right? Like just, you know, doing what, doing what you love. Like you are, you are living that, you know, right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, it's really not hard either. I mean, you're doing it too. It's people look at, yeah. it's like, Oh man, I wish I could do that because they're, they're, they're like subscribing to some idea that it's, they haven't done it. So it must be hard. And it's like, no, the hard part is just actually taking that first step. And then it just becomes what you do. And it's really, it's just like yeah. anything else. It just becomes a habit and you can make it happen and people get in their exactly. own way. It's so, uh, yeah. Um, that's, that's the idea. So this, this is not one of my lines, but I, I loved it. So Dr. Spends the other day, he's talking about, um, you know, programming. So like TV, TV programming. And he, he mentions, he, he said something, he said it in a way and it just kind of hit me and he was like, well, you know, they call it programming because it's programming you. And it, like, I, I know it sounds very silly, sounds very simple, but, you know, if you're 22 and you're not developing yourself, you know, if you think of your brain as like a computer and you're just running on, you know, the new software or the old software, you know, most people, if, if you haven't gotten into self-development yet, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You just might be running the same software you were when you were 22, right? And that's, that's you know, Windows... Windows 95 is a little outdated, you yeah, know, just a tad. Um, but when you think about, you know, what it, so if you're not putting that in, you know, when you're listening to Tony Robbins or David Goggins or, you know, Chaco Willink or Joe Rogan or, you know, these, you know, insert inspirational human here, it does make you think a little bit outside the box, right? It makes you think about kind of what's, what's possible versus, you know, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with TV. I mean, I love me some Game of Thrones. But uh, at the same time, there's I think there's a time to, you know, veg out and say, hey, I'm going to watch this epic movie that was created versus I'm going to flip through Jerry Springer and daytime TV and watch the news 
and, you know, actually get programmed, which is, I think, what most people, that's maybe going a little bit deeper, but I, I think there's a lot of folks out there that are just, you know, slowly, unintentionally getting programmed by what they listen to, what they hear, which is not in self-development and more of listening to someone else's view of the world. Right. Um, so that's one of the most exciting things about self-development is like, I'm, I'm creating my own view of the world based on, you know, many different facets. Um, and like you said, it is scary for some people are like, Oh, meditation. Oh, I couldn't imagine what my brain would have to say. You know, if I tried to sit still for five minutes, I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe you need 20 minutes in, you know? Right. Well, it's interesting. One of the guys I interviewed, I think it was episode 68. Uh, his name was Jonasson yeah. Goldson and he's a rabbi and yeah. he backpacked across the country and Europe when he was a, in his early 20s and found himself in rabbinical school in Israel and became a rabbi, lived over there for 10 years, got married, had a couple kids, moved back to the States. Super interesting guy. Does TED Talks, has written books, teaches ethics. like. But he hit me at the end with these a couple questions. It was just like, where do our values and ideals come from? How did we learn them? And can we actually defend them? And it's like, man, he's like, when, when you think about it, you're, you just sort of believe and sort of repeat what other people around you, what their viewpoints are. And when you actually stand back and look at why do you feel this way and can you defend it, most often you find you can't. Yeah. And it's kind of along the lines of what you're saying. It's getting programmed from all different sources, the TV or even just friends and family, it, instead of thinking for yourself and being the architect of your own existence. How do you like that word insert there? <laughs> well done. Well played, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah. that is, that, I mean, that's kind of at the, you know, at, at the core of what we're doing is trying to get people to take an active role in their existence. That's you awesome. And, yeah. And it sounds like it's, of, it's much, as much mentally as what you're passionate about as much as it is the physical, you know, the physical yeah. side in the gym. If you, if you got folks that are talking to you about these classes that are members, it sounds like it's a good, um, academy. I mean, that's, that was your word. So it's not just a gym. It is an yeah. academy, mental and physical academy where people can network and share ideas just as much as they share exercises. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, over the last six years, I've seen people quit their jobs. I've helped people quit their jobs, <laughs> you know, getting out of, you know, when they, what, what they think is that they want a six pack and what, what they realize is they're just completely stressed out and, uh, you know, they hate their job and they hate their life. And then it's like, all right, well, what are you doing there then? Make it, let's make a change, you know? And then some people that are just ready to take it to the next step. We've had, we've had people, you know, write books. We, we've helped a few people uh, get books off the ground, you know, switch jobs, open businesses. And it's been very cool to, you know, really, you know, help people to, you know, inter introduce people, especially uh, a community of like-minded folks that are all looking to take their, uh, take their, you know, active, take an active role in their existence, you know? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So when we think about your existence mm -hmm. and your journey, insert whatever, uh, you know, other descriptor word there, how would you sum yeah. it all up? This conversation, you know, everything that brought you to this point in your life, what would be your three words to describe that? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, it's mm, a great question. I've been, I've been, I've been thinking, thinking about this and I, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give you kind of a little build up background and then, and then throw the three words. How about that? Got it. Love it. Let's do it. So, you know, there, there were a lot of things that I believed about myself to be true 
And, you know, like, like the rabbi said, you know, like, where are those gangs coming from? And most of the time they're, they're coming from someone else or like you, you made it up. Right. So I had plenty of experiences that happened to me, you know, like when I had asthma, like the story I told myself was I'll never be an athlete. You know, um, I remember, you know, like there were plenty of stories I told myself that were just absolutely not true. Nobody told me I couldn't be an athlete. Nobody told me I, I couldn't run, but because I, you know, wasn't able to do things like when you realize that there's really nothing stopping you from what you want to do other than you, the only thing that's limiting you is most likely a belief you have about something. And if you get past that, then you can make shit happen. And that I think is my, those are my, those are my three words. Like if you're just going to like ask me, you know, what's, how do I want to, you know, take stuff on in my life or, you know, what I would recommend to, to other people is that you, myself, everybody out there, we can all make shit happen. Just got to do it. Nice. I like that. Make shit happen. The Ryan Humphreys story. (laughs) Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate spending an hour, believe it or not, already talking about all this stuff. It's been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I do like to talk. Thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So there you have it. He does like to talk, and I do love to listen to what he has to say, and I hope you did too. And like Ryan said, his three words, make shit happen. Fantastic three words that we can all really use as a mantra. There's plenty of ways to find to not make things happen, which again, I'm a soapbox for a second, right? If you want to find a reason for something not to work, you will find it. Just like if you want to find a way to make it work, you will also find it, right? That old quote from Henry Ford if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And it's the people that, like Ryan, who think they can, who make shit happen. That changed the world. You know, sorry for being cheesy there, but I believe it. It's awesome. So, hope you guys like this episode. Thank you again, Ryan, for sharing your story with us once again. And uh, see you guys next week. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you think by dropping me a voice message. I love seeing those come in. And I can't wait to see you here again in seven more wonderful days. This is Miles Big signing off. Cheers. <laughs>